Hello and welcome to the Bloodstream Podcast, a show serving the greater bleeding disorders community brought to you by Believe Limited and Bloodstream Media and made possible by our presenting sponsor, Takeda. I am your patient advocate and host, Patrick James Lynch. And I am your healthcare advocate, nonprofit nerd, and your other host, Amy Board, <laughs> reminding you to please speak with a healthcare professional before making any treatment decisions. On today's show, Maya Bloomberg, the Heme NP, is back once again, this time with a segment on family dynamics and holiday logistics yes! with a bleeding disorder. Charged <laughs> I'm topic. charged, charged. <laughs> and we have the latest installment of our I'm Fine Mental Health segment, this time featuring... Me. Yeah. We turned the writing over to Amy and she put me in the hot seat. So yes. we got all that and more on this episode. Welcome to Bloodstream. Hey, listeners, thank you for joining us today. And if you like what you hear, which I hope you like what you hear, I, I please mean, share this episode on social media and all the things and subscribe so you get all the episodes just in your little podcast player. Right there. And on social media, you know, all kinds of clips. You don't have to just share the episode, <laughs> you can share clips. We're pushing clips. clips out all the time. Listeners, I also want to remind you that, of course, the Bloodstream Podcast is indeed made possible by our presenting sponsor, Takeda. Takeda. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Takeda. Takeda's got this website, bleedingdisorders.com, where you can learn all about Takeda's resources for and commitment to the bleeding disorders community. Takeda believes in a world free of bleeds. <laughs> Touche. And they're dedicated more than ever in their efforts to offer a wide range of programs and support to help patients throughout their treatment journey, wherever on that journey they may be. You can learn more by simply visiting bleedingdisorders.com. One more time, that's bleedingdisorders.com. And for their founding and ongoing support of the Bloodstream Podcast, I would just like to say thanks, Takeda. Thank you, Takeda. Um... And thanks as well to our segment sponsor, Sanofi, for supporting I'm Fine yes. coming up in a little bit, Amy Board. Well, we've got some stuff. Like, there's been some news. There's been some things. There's been some stuff. A <laughs> um, couple things that I wanted to point out here at, up at the top. Um, there was an article titled, Pharmaceutical Companies Seek FDA Approval for New Sickle Cell Cure via Gene They said therapy. the word. They always do. They love that C word in these headlines. Um, and I'm just going to read a little portion of this article and, and then kind of make the, the, the greater point here. But yeah. essentially, there's two companies vying for FDA approval, Vertex and Bluebird Bio. They both have their research ready to go this year, mm -hmm. but they have very different approaches to sickle cell treatment via gene therapy. Uh, Vertex's treatment goal, reading directly from the article now, Vertex's treatment goal is to produce a fetal form of hemoglobin. That's the part of the blood that is naturally present at birth but switches to an adult form that has the defect that causes the sickling of the blood cells in people with sickle cell anemia or mm. sickle cell disease. Mm. When a patient undergoes Vertex's treatment, stem cells are removed from their blood and CRISPR technology is mm. used to remove that switching gene and further medication kills off any flawed cells. Then the altered cells are given back to the patient. While Bluebird Bio aims to add functional copies of a modified gene that will help red blood cells produce anti-sickling hemoglobin to prevent or reverse misshaped cells. So I bring this up. Amy's absorbing a lot of information. She has the I'm absorbing a lot of information yeah. face on right now. Yeah, science. These are the two reasons I bring this up. Not to deep dive the science. That's not yeah. what this is about. Number one... This is good news for people with sickle cell disease that these gene therapies are well underway, that we're at a point in time where we're differentiating between different potentially, quote, curative gene therapies for people with sickle cell disease. That's a great thing. 
But the larger point that for our broader audience I wanted to make, and the reason I'm, I'm sharing this story, is to remind all of us, especially those with hemophilia and other chronic diseases for which gene therapies are now being created, that gene therapy is a broad treatment category that mm -hmm. we are still in the very early days of. And technologies such as CRISPR, which again, I'm not going to seek to deep dive it, but it does involve modification of genes themselves as opposed to adding in the way that AAV gene therapy for hemophilia, we are adding a working copy of the gene that is dysfunctional or defective. It essentially overrides the still present, but now non-threatening, theoretically, dysfunctional gene. CRISPR seeks to take out the dysfunctional gene, fix it, so to speak, and replace it. So it is fundamentally different. And this technology is being explored in people with hemophilia as well, as are other forms of gene and cell therapy. So I, again, I, someone did give me a walkthrough of CRISPR, a real deep dive uh, like eight years ago. <laughs> And I have to admit, even at the time, I was like, I'm kind of following, but this is heavy. Yeah. And it's been eight years. So I, I can't get into the science. But the broader point is that there are going to be more and more updates to the gene therapy pipeline in hemophilia and across rare diseases. So this is just a message to continue to stay tuned, especially if the currently available gene therapies don't feel like they're quite right for you. And that's the point. And I will say just to like shout out, um, you know, our brothers and sisters, uh, our sickle cell warriors who have, you know, I think, um, what's the word I want to use? I mean, they, they have... Um, gone through the clinical trial, just like some of our hemophilia brothers have gone through gene therapy clinical trials. It is really a sacrifice of, mm. you know, time, body, soul to do something like this. This is really invasive and science will not progress without that step. So hats off to the people that have really taken that sacrifice for this. Here, and, here. you know, we're, we're still continuing to do that. So anyway, just a hats off for that. Yeah. All that data comes from people's participation. Yeah. We don't have the data that we so revere if we right. don't have the people to participate. Right, right. Um, the one other thing I want to hit on up top before we move into our segments is I saw this headline about Sanofi, who does support the I'm Fine segment coming up in just a moment. Uh, Sanofi honored 10 advocacy organizations promoting health equity solutions in underserved U.S. communities. They just announced the winners of what they're calling their Health Equity Accelerator Awards, 10 different nonprofits that exemplify Sanofi's ambition to provide equitable access to health care using innovative solutions for hard to solve health disparities. And here's the thing that I, I think is coolest. Each of those 10 organizations receives $50,000 from Sanofi in addition to being able to leverage Sanofi's global healthcare expertise through the award and partnership. So to me, this is an example of a company putting their money literally where their mouth is. And it's also not Sanofi saying, hey, here's us Sanofi, the white knight coming in to solve all the problems. Yeah. Instead, it's saying, here's us Sanofi identifying yeah. where problems are being solved by yeah. grassroots advocacy organizations. And we want to further support their efforts, which I just think is like, amongst the best kinds of partnerships between nonprofit and biotech pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. So hats off to Sanofi for their Health Equity Accelerator Awards. And I think a couple of hemophilia organizations were, or bleeding disorder organizations were a part of that. I think correct. Chess was a part of that and Texas Central, That's correct. the chapter in Texas. So anyway, hats off to those organizations and hats off to Sanofi. That's cool. And with that, let's move into I'm Fine. 
I'm Fine aims to challenge entrenched ideas around chronic resiliency and satisfaction with suboptimal outcomes by inspiring people with hemophilia to seek education and truly consider the possibilities. Sanofi seeks to expand the idea of what's possible for the hemophilia community, take a deeper look at the science behind hemophilia and an important connection between factor activity levels and potential activities at levelsmatter.com. And now, on to I'm Fine. This is all I've ever known. Is that even possible for me? I don't want to miss anything. I don't need that. I don't want to acknowledge my pain. Fine. I don't want to get poked with needles. I don't, I don't want that. There's nothing wrong. I'm fine. 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 Hey, Bloodstream listeners, we are back with another segment of I'm Fine, where we peel back the layers on mindset and behavior change and maybe even a little stubbornness, especially when it comes to living with a bleeding disorder. It's my life and I will do what I want. Now, that is a sentiment that we have all heard. Maybe we've even said it ourselves a few times. I know I have. It's a declaration of independence. It's a claim of self-sovereignty. And hey, it kind of feels empowering, right? But let's pause and think about it for a second. Because as much as we are captains of our own ships, we're not sailing the vast seas alone. Our lives entwined with those of partners, employers, family. They're all part of a bigger network, a network that cares about us, relies on us, and yes, supports us. While we might not want to admit it, our personal choices ripple out. They impact more than just us. And that's what we're going to discuss today on I'm Fine. I'm here with Patrick James Lynch, my co-host, my pal, a human living with hemophilia. I am a human pal living with hemophilia. Yes, I am. Thanks for sitting in the hot seat, because this one is a hot seat. I'm putting you legitimately in a hot seat. Yes, you did. And you chose the uh, stubborn I'm Fine segment. You're yes! like, you know who we need for that? <laughs> My co-host, PJL. So <laughs> yeah. thanks for bringing me on for the stubborn one. <laughs> no worries. That was the that was the email, basically. I was like, I think Patrick would be perfect for this. <laughs> Typecast again. Does the phrase, it's my life, I'll do what I want, resonate with you? So... Kinda-ish. Agency and empowerment are words that we talk about a lot when it comes to people with bleeding disorders and, and helping patients manage their condition. Um, but from a lived experience point of view, actually feeling and believing that this is my life and I have choice and I'm in control is not intrinsic for me. Over the course of my life, though, especially in childhood, this entrenched idea of resiliency and the need to believe that I am safe led to me adopting a I can make it work attitude mm. toward most things. And that action and solutions oriented, you know, attitude isn't wholly bad per se, but I know that it's problematic when over time it builds walls and blinders mm. to what my true needs are. If I'm just starting from a position of no, I'm fine, no, I can make it work, it's disconnecting me from first being in touch with what's actually going on within me. So those true needs then get repressed over time, right? And they're unexplored until they eventually demand attention in less than elegant ways. And now as a full-fledged adult in the world, this quote that you cited of like, it's my life, I'll do what I want, mm -hmm. it resonates with me more now than it did in childhood. But at my core, I still don't believe that I have that much control or agency over my life. 
How have your decisions or choices affected the people in your life, your wife, your daughter, your coworkers? Oh, boy. well, you tell me, coworker. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a double-edged sword. I'm fine is my firm sense of resolve and my mission-driven approach to trying to accomplish things and move my life forward. It can be contagious and energizing to the people around me. And I've seen that in my family and in my colleagues, but it can also be exhausting. And I don't always have the tools that I need to help others or myself contend with that exhaustion that can come from like stubbornly striving towards something. Mm. Um, but on a more personal level, having spent as much time as I have this year with the concept of I'm fine, entrenched resiliency, I think the I'm fine mindset has really hurt me relationally. Mm. It doesn't allow people in. It doesn't require me to feel vulnerability. It prevents me from getting hurt, It kind of, while also creating disconnection from other people. So I guess I don't know exactly how my I'm fine mindset has impacted the people around me. You tell me. Uh, but these are some of the things that I have observed and experienced. What is one area of your life that you resist change? This is such a great and annoying <laughs> question. I was like, really, Amy? So the first thing that comes to mind is coping mechanisms. I'm resistant to changing my coping mechanisms. And I think the primary driver of that is fear that without these tried and true coping mechanisms that I will be unable to handle strong emotions or powerful thoughts or disruptive periods in my life. And then I end up behaving in problematic or, or damaging ways. Rationally, I know that eating two cartons of ice cream after completing two medium Domino's pizzas, albeit for a special deal that I had earned over time, is unhealthy. But in the moments of emotional distress, it's instant gratification and something I can depend on for at least the next 30 to 60 minutes. It's a terrible plan, but given that I've been pretty actively battling with changing my coping mechanisms this year, it feels like that's the obvious answer to your question. Uh, throwing you a curveball going rogue. Is there anything that you would like to say to the people in your life, your support system, kind of knowing that this year has been a lot, like you've been entrenched in the I'm fine mindset. Is there anything you'd like to say to your support system? I would say thank you to my support system for patience and grace with the moments that um, I haven't been as available mm -hmm. or as warm um, as I can be, because when I get into an entrenched place, I think my warmth and my empathy go down um, and I become just much more strategic and calculating to kind of survive and get me through. But again, it's disconnecting. So to those who, uh, mm -hmm. to those who may have felt disconnection from me at some point this year, sorry about that. And I'm working on it. Hemophilia severity is determined by factor activity levels a measurement of how much factor you have in your blood at time of diagnosis. The more factor you have in your body over time, the better your bleed protection is, which is why many people with hemophilia choose to treat prophylactically. Your doctor can perform measurements to evaluate the factor activity levels in your blood. Learn more about the importance of factor activity levels by talking to your doctor and visiting levelsmatter.com. Sanofi aims to raise the bar for patients living with hemophilia Reimagine what's possible 
by visiting rarebloodisorders.com to hear more about Sanofi's dedication to the bleeding disorders community. It's not about losing our sense of freedom. It's about acknowledging our connections, as Patrick so lovingly did. Do it for yourself, absolutely. Your health and your well-being, it's the foundation upon which you build your life. But remember, doing it for yourself also means you're doing it for those you love. They want to see you thrive, not just survive. And changing behaviors, especially when living with chronic conditions, it's an act of love, an act of respect, not only for your life, but for the shared journey with those around you. Take that step, whether it's scheduling a treatment, reaching out for support, or simply taking a moment to appreciate your health journey. You're not doing it just for you. You're doing it for a network that extends far beyond yourself. Subscribe to the Bloodstream Podcast wherever you get your podcast, and stay tuned, take care, and remember, fine can always get better. Catch you next time on I'm Fine. This next segment is brought to you by Genentech. Genentech offers caregivers of people with hemophilia resources and stories to provide them with valuable information about a treatment option. They know your family matters and hopes that this support will make your hemophilia journey a little easier. In the words of Miranda, a mother with twin boys with hemophilia, since connecting with other hemophilia families and educating ourselves had been so helpful, we made a point of getting involved with a larger community and attended conferences whenever we could. Thanks, Miranda. That's good to hear. To learn more about Miranda and others in the hemophilia community, please visit www.treatheme.a.com. Now let's go on to my Bloomberg. Do your loved one have a bleeding disorder? The holiday season can bring joy, excitement, but it can also present unique challenges when it comes to family dynamics and logistics. Maybe you have difficulties explaining your condition to family members or friends who may not fully understand or be aware of the specific needs and limitations. There may be increased stress and anxiety due to changes in routine, making treatment schedules more challenging, or just stress of limited access to appropriate medical treatment if you're traveling. Don't worry though, I've got you covered. Here are three tips for a smooth and enjoyable holiday season tailored specifically for families with bleeding disorders. Number one, communication is key. Start by having open and honest conversations with your family members about your condition. Educate them on its impact and any necessary precautions. This could be something as simple as just being mindful about your holiday decorations, knowing that some ornaments can be very sharp and pose a potential for injury and bleeding. Maybe it's about making sure that you have space in the fridge for your factor and access to a safe space or a quiet area that somebody could rest and recover in the event that there's a bleeding episode. This should be a comfortable setting with ice packs and any necessary medical equipment to treat a bleed. But having this dialogue and communicating your needs is ultimately gonna foster more understanding and empathy. Number two, plan ahead. Coordinate with your healthcare team to ensure you have everything you need in advance. This includes having updated prescriptions, supplies, and emergency contact information readily available. I personally like to give my patients travel letters which authorize them to travel with the necessary supplies, but I also give them a standard of care letter which outlines what to do in the event of major and minor bleeding episodes. So if I have a patient traveling in an area that has very limited knowledge base for hemophilia, there's not gonna be any questions for how to manage their condition. And don't forget packing your travel size first aid kit and ice packs. Number three, adapt activities. 
We know that high impact and contact sports are very risky for bleeding disorder patients, so you might want to consider incorporating more low impact and non-contact games and activities that everyone can enjoy. This way, everyone can participate without compromising safety. And you want to get creative with the activities you're going to have. Maybe you'll have board games or puzzles or a gingerbread house or a cookie decorating contest or even just a holiday-themed movie marathon. Don't let a bleeding disorder dampen your holiday spirit. By following these tips, you can ensure a memorable and stress-free holiday season for your family, even with a bleeding disorder in the mix. Happy holidays. Thank you, Maya. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, me. I'm here today as a contributor and everybody at Bloodstream. Thank you for the work on today's episode, which, of course, would not be possible without our presenting sponsor, Takeda. Visit bleedingdisorders.com to learn more. Thanks as well to Sanofi for supporting I'm Fine. Visit levelsmatter.com to learn more. And thank you to Genentech for supporting our final segment today. Visit treatheme.com to learn more about their commitment. Amy Board, November 24th. That's a date. And it is also the date of our next episode. Correct. What can the listeners expect to hear? Well, it's like our Thanksgiving episode, so we're going to do like the grateful thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we're going to do the grateful thing. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Yeah. You sound thrilled. It's always one of our more popular episodes when we like talk Why about- Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know. I think people are saps. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's going right, to be saps. great. We've got more Maya, and we've got another I'm Fine as well, so it's going to be stacked. We've got more Maya. I like that. More <laughs> Maya for you always. Uh, and with that, that is all for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Bloodstream Podcast, if you haven't already, wherever you listen, to have the next episode delivered to you the moment it goes live. And always, mailbag at bloodstreammedia.com is the email address that you can use to inquire about anything. Anything at all. Literally anything. <laughs> Casting opportunities, just if you would like to say something, get your point across. Yeah, holiday tips. We'll take them from you as well. Maya's not the only one <laughs> who's got ideas. tips. Yeah, We'd send them over. We'd love to hear it. Um, anyway, and you can find us on social media. PJL and I are on all of the social media. This is true. So we'll see you there. Actually, all of it. <laughs> yeah. I am your host, Patrick James Lynch. And I am your other host, Amy Board. And until next time, November 24th, <laughs> take self-care of yourself. Bye, everybody. Bye.